0: Hi there, I'm James Zappagy, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. So team, today we've got a plaintiff in defamation proceedings. And what that plaintiff does is sue two defendants uh, on the basis that certain statements made in a meeting were defamatory. Now, against Defendant 1, our plaintiff wins, and the damages order our plaintiff gets is, with respect, fairly modest. The amount is about $11,000. And as against Defendant 2, our plaintiff loses. Okay, so then there's a dispute about legal costs. So if we turn to Defendant 2 first, and just before we do that, can I remind you of this idea that costs follow the event? So in litigation, we can say quite loosely and broadly that if you win, quote, quote, if you get what you're after or if you defend against someone else's claim, then the position is that it's likely that person who lost, quote, quote, is gonna pay your costs because you won, quote, quote, to put it in broad uh, brush strokes like that. Now, what is suggested is that that is costs following the event. The event was I won, and so the legal costs rest with me and against you because that was the event. That's what happened. Okay, sorry about the glare. I'm not, I'm not handling it well, but uh, that's because I'm mainly an inside creature, so I apologise for that. So, in respect of Defendant 2, remember Defendant 2 was successful at resisting the defamation claim. Defendant 2 got the court to say, yeah, you're right. That wasn't defamatory. That claim wasn't made out. Now, plaintiff says, is notwithstanding that, I made an offer and you rejected that offer, and so I should get my legal costs on the indemnity basis. Now what the court says in short is no. (laughs) And so the defendant, the successful second defendant, um, has his costs on the ordinary basis. But that second successful defendant says, no, I don't want them just on the ordinary basis. I want them on the more generous indemnity basis because I also made an offer that the plaintiff rejected. Now the nature of that offer was an offer made by the solicitors who were acting for both defendants at the same time and what the court said in short was that working through the nature of that offer it was such that it did not found an order for indemnity costs. So what happens with defendant two is that defendant two gets his costs paid by the plaintiff because the defendant two won and the plaintiff as against defendant two lost. So now let's turn to defendant one so remember the plaintiff was successful against defendant one what the plaintiff says is hey i want my indemnity costs against defendant one because i made this offer and the court says no <laughs> and then the court goes through to examine the cost position in relation to what is the appropriate costs order to be made in respect of defendant one And what the court does is firstly realise that it's a very modest sum that is ordered in this matter. And when we say modest, $11,000 is not a small amount of money by anyone's measure, but in contrast to the legal costs that were incurred by the parties, it actually is indeed uh, perhaps more easily described as disproportionate. And uh, so what the court says is, yes, there's some disproportionate costs, What the court says is that some of those costs were in relation to chasing defendant two. And we don't want defendant one to have to pay the costs in relation to defendant two. So what we're gonna do, because it's modest, and because we wanna protect defendant one from having to pay the costs in relation to defendant two, is we're gonna quarantine off some of those costs. And the court, in going through that quarantining exercise, if you'll forgive me for using something of a buzzword, says, all right, uh, unsuccessful defendant one, what you have to do is pay the successful plaintiff's costs, but only two thirds of them. And so what we find is that costs have followed the event in both cases, because remember defendant two uh, got his costs paid. Remember defendant one had to pay the plaintiff's costs, but those costs were reduced slightly because of the modest sum of the damages claim and in order to protect defendant one from having to pay the costs relating to the defendant two claim. And in closing, what the court said was, the size of the damages claim in this matter left it open to ask the question, was it really worth the powder and shot? Was it really worth incurring these substantial legal costs in relation to what's quite a small claim? And that's a rhetorical question that I'll leave open to you, and I look forward to joining you again soon for another coffee and another case note. Cheers.